official in the year 2024, of course, if you follow the news closely and geopolitically speaking, the whole world continues to pay attention to the war in Ukraine and also in Israel. But meanwhile, let's focus our attention back in the United States of America. Now, today, there's no surprise that this nation is standing at the crossroads and politically speaking, it's rather crucial because in 2024, this country is going to elect another brand new president. Now, if you follow the news closely, of course, there are many candidates out there. For example, the incumbent Joe Biden and third party candidates, they are, they're everywhere. But let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is Donald Trump. Now, when you hear the name Donald Trump, I guess you follow the media. It's all about the legal battle and those are the cases. And most importantly, how do we believe that this person is reliable to be or hopefully to be the next president for America? And is it time for American citizens to wake up and realize, hey, listen, we need to have better options because Donald Trump is not just the person that we actually see on TV on a daily basis. It's really more than that. There are a lot of hidden secrets and also a lot of just what we call unknown facts about this person. And how much does he have in the pocket? And also, how will he change perhaps the fate of the country? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to invite our distinguished speaker, who is David K. Johnston. Again, David is a co-founded DC Report. He's the best-selling author and investigative journalist who for 13 years reported for the New York Times. And of course, his new book is called The Big Cheat, How Donald Trump Fleeced America and Enriched Himself and His Family. Well, David, and welcome to The Missing Piece. Glad to be here, Will. Well, David, again, it's fascinating to talk about Donald Trump. And when I say fascinating, it's not just about his charm and charisma uh, during the campaign trails. But let's talk about, again, going back to uh, the book that you wrote, I, I'm very interested, want to talk about the Trump University. I want to read something and I want to get you a uh, further explanation. This is what you wrote. The Trump University was a scam could damage his chances of becoming president, especially if he was charged with criminal fraud. Now, David, what do we know about the Trump University? I remember back in the days, a few years ago, we were still talking about it. But today, we didn't really hear much anything about it. But is that what does that mean, by the way? Well, Donald Trump, whom I have covered longer than anybody else, uh, almost 36 years now, and I'm known as the Dean of Trumpologists, <laughs> uh, has always, all throughout his life, has run scams. Mm. He's a con artist. And Trump University... Uh, Donald uh, uh, said would be a better education in business than the finest business schools. So he's saying it's better than the Harvard Business School, the Wharton School, etc. And he would handpick each of the professors and they would be the very, very best in the country. Mm. Well, it turned out that uh, he didn't know any of the faculty. And I use that word loosely. Uh None of them were academics. Mm. Um, several of them were fast food restaurant managers or workers. Uh, and Trump University was about real estate. The people who were there knew nothing about real estate. And what they really did was show people who came to learn Donald Trump's supposed secret real estate techniques mm. how to take out uh, Thirty to fifty thousand dollars in credit card uh, uh, applications, and then pay Donald Trump thirty-five thousand mm. dollars. At this point, having exhausted their credit, 
they couldn't buy any real estate. And he never showed up as he said he would personally. Instead, he had uh, cardboard cutouts. Mm. Uh, and, and the information that they were given, which was cut and pasted from various publications, you could have found on the Internet for nothing in an hour. It was top to bottom a scam. Uh, Donald, from uh, a rel- another institution he had, the Trump Foundation, mm. that's a, a ch- supposed to be a charitable foundation where you have given the money away and you use it to benefit others. He made a campaign contribution to... Uh, a woman named Bondi, who was the attorney general of Florida. Many Floridians complained to the state attorney general that Trump University was a scam. It was Mm. corrupt and didn't do anything for them. Donald used charitable money to make a campaign contribution, which is illegal. Uh, Ms. Bondi's campaign said, no, 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 we have no problem accepting this money, which is an admission of a criminal act by a law enforcement officer. And after she got the contribution, she shut down her investigation of Trump University. Mm. The same thing happened in the state of Texas, slightly different circumstances. But despite overwhelming evidence that this was a scam, the authorities shut it down. The state of New York went after Donald Trump. He had to repay two and a half million dollars of money he had used for personal things like he bought two or three portraits of himself and put them in his home. He bought a famous football player's helmet and put them in his property. And they had to shut down Trump University. Mm. But this is typical of Donald. His entire life, which I have documented in three and a half books, a, a recent trilogy and a book I did more than 30 years ago, he's been a criminal throughout his life. And this was just one of the outrageous and easy to understand examples of his criminality. But David, again, at the intro, I mean, as I mentioned, when we talk about Donald Trump, this is surely a very complicated person. But again, as we're seeing this political season, you know, uh, continue to roll out, and how how should we understand the words that he said? again, to the American people. I mean, again, going back to your book, that initially back in uh, 2015, or even uh, the first time he was running to be the president, he mentioned something as, sadly, the American dream is dead. But if I get elected president, I will bring it back bigger and better and stronger than ever before. I mean, I have to say that from the political standpoint, those words resonated with American citizens. But again, as you mentioned, we can't just listen to the words. We really need to know the person, really need to know the scandal and the scam and the lies behind it. So how do you think that he really used his charm or so-called charisma to, to sway or even to, uh, uh, we'll say, charm the American citizens or American voters? What do you say to that? Well, all con artists are masters at getting you to believe what they're selling, even though you end up at the end of the day uh, out, of, out of having been hurt and damaged. Mm. Um, so uh, Donald has incredible skills as a con artist. He is the greatest con artist in the history of the world. And mm. I've been exposing con artists for more than 50 years. Uh, No one else I know is in his class. But there were certain factors that allowed him to succeed in 2016. And let me just quickly walk through them. I wrote a best-selling trilogy of books about this called Mm. Perfectly Legal 
free lunch and the fine print. Mm. Um, in 2016, when Trump uh, won the, he lost the popular vote by three million votes, but won the electoral college, so he became president. Mm. The bottom 90% of Americans had less income than they did in 1973. So they had gone more than 40 years and they were worse off. They had 4% less income. That's like you get paid till December 15th and then you don't have any money. Mm. But it was worse than that. Back in 1973, if you had a pension, it was on top of your wages. In 2016, you had a 401k that was deducted from your wages. Uh, back in 1973, if you had health care, it was on top of your wages. Now it comes out of your wages. And for every dollar Americans added in equity in their homes, the share that they own, they took on $2 of debt. And that's a prescription for being on the hamster wheel till you fall over debt. Mm. So Donald exploited this. Now, most people didn't understand what was happening to them. They just knew dad and grandpa were better off than I was. Mm. And Donald brilliantly exploited this, and he made these promises that the economy would blossom and there would be jobs galore. Well, in fact, what the data showed, and I reported on this continually at a this nonprofit organization that my friends and I created called DC Report, where former Wall Street Journal, New York Times, LA Times people were the contributors. Donald underperformed. Mm. Uh, uh, once the Great Recession added, for the rest of Barack Obama's uh, presidency, because he can't charge him with the Great Recession. Mm. So after the first year, Barack Obama had more job growth, 3% more job growth per month on average than Donald Trump. Donald said he would produce 4 5 6% annual growth in the uh, GDP, the gross domestic product. Um, no, he produced on average less than the average since the end of World War II. He had one quarter that was very high. That was when he started his trade war with mainland China. And the next uh, quarter, it fell off. So the two of them equaled out to be no improvement. Um, jobs, wages did not grow in real terms. And I'm just counting the period before the pandemic. Mm. All right. So Trump had this appeal, though, to people who... Their economics were terrible. They didn't have any savings. They were at risk of losing their job at any moment, which has created economic terror for many people in America. And these are generally low information voters. They're not people who are going to read a serious publication like the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. Secondly, Donald appealed to people who want to make America white again. Mm. Uh, he began his campaign by attacking Mexicans and Muslims and making outrageous claims. And this was not even a dog whistle. That is something you and I can't hear, but a dog can to racists. This mm. was an open appeal to them. And a lot of people in America are very troubled by the fact that America is going from being a white dominated culture to a culture where whites are a minority or will be. They already are in California. Uh, so that's the second group. And the third group were what I call fake Christians. Mm. Uh, these are the evangelical Christian nationalists who's, uh, who call themselves Christians, but what they teach is hatred and selfishness. And uh, uh, Donald has said, by the way, uh, repeatedly that Christians are fools and idiots and schmucks. And the message of the Sermon on the Mount uh, you know, including turning the other cheek, 
you know, he's, he just denounced that, even mm. though he calls himself a Christian to appeal to these people. Mm. Now, you put those three groups together and they overlap. And you came up in 2016 with 60 million voters. Hillary Clinton got 63 million, but not in the right states. And Donald's capacity to get people to idolize him, he in fact has called himself a savior. He campaigned saying, I alone can save you. That's right. Which to real Christians should be blasphemous. Um, it, it is extraordinary. And, uh, I just wrote a piece for the New Republic about how uh, at his civil trial in New York, where he was uh, given a $355 million with interest, $450 million disgorgement order, ill-got money he has to give back, um, witnesses lied on the stand for him. I mean, it's one thing to trick people into things, but Donald has like a magic wand. And he gets people to lie on this. In fact, he's gotten at least two people to go to jail for him. Mm. That's, that's just an extraordinary skill. And in a perverse way, I admire his skill. Mm. David, you know, again, let's go back to uh, the campaign model. Back in 2016, of course, today, that he's still campaigning for the uh, presidency. But the phrase is, make America great again. You know, it's just so... I want to use the word ambiguous. You know, it's not as simple as the way we can understand it. Because I remember throughout the media, or even among the voters, that if you go to the campaign rallies, you ask them, what does that mean to make America great again? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, David. Good proportion of the American voters can't really enunciate or even to claim that the meaning of the phrase or even the meaning behind the term. So why do you think, again, as you mentioned before, David, a lot of people that who don't really understand the, this ideology, this complication of this con artist, but why do they continue to follow this Make America Great Again group or Make America Great Again campaign? I mean, I, I mean, I always say as an American citizen, I believe America has always been great. I mean, I mean, we know the country is not perfect, but no country is perfect. You know, to, in fact, but this is saying that Make America Great Again, even today, as he continues to campaign, what does that mean? And, and how, why do you think the voters continue to buy into that short phrase? Well, um, a couple of things in your question, Will. First of all, the, the fact that the bottom 90% went nowhere, where we had, at the same time, people in America who had his and her Boeing 747 personal jumbo jets mm. uh, really helped Donald attract this. Make America Great Again is a, as you said, a vague phrase and you can put onto it whatever you want, but a lot of people heard that as make America white again. You wanna go back mm. to the, the imaginary 1950s with white picket fences and uh, black and Asian and Latino and indigenous peoples knew their place and kept their mouths shut. And we didn't have the civil rights movement, the women's rights movement, etc. And that was how many people took that message. Um, so Donald has this appeal. Now, why do people not think better than that? Well, here's a very revealing statistic. 
Mm. Uh, something called the National Literacy Survey that's done in America mm. every few years. The mm. most recent one was just before the pandemic in 2019. One in five Americans reads at the level of a third grader, an eight-year-old. Mm. More than half of Americans, 54%, read at the level of a twelfth of a sixth grader or a 12-year-old. People, I don't care if you were the smartest kid in your class when you were in sixth grade or whatever your school district called age 12 schooling. You don't have critical thinking skills. You don't have the capacity to understand important issues for a democracy. And so this, this decline is serious. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but I've been on the faculty at Syracuse University College of Law for many years. I used to teach the law of the ancient world. I now teach legal theory and principles. And I've lectured on every continent except Antarctica about the mm. law. And one of the things I've noticed, and every other professor I've talked to about this, whether they're in their late 20s or they're in their 80s, all of them say the same thing. There's been a terrible decline in writing skills in America and reading comprehension skills. And that's a great benefit to Donald, because if you don't have critical thinking skills, you don't see or perceive the things that he's saying and what they will mean for you and why they're bad. Um, so Donald would, would say when he started his trade war with mainland China, I'm going to make China pay. Mm. Well, no, that's not how tariffs work. American consumers pay. But I can tell you, I've done many radio shows and given speeches and lots of people go, well, yeah, but now China has to pay. And I go, no, China is not paying anything. Mm. American consumers are paying. What are you talking about? Because they don't, they, they, they don't, they don't, if you don't read, if you're not a good reader, why would you read a quality newspaper or magazine or books? 85% of Americans don't buy a book mm. in any given year, other than I'm excluding uh, the Bible or religious texts. Mm. 85%. Um, uh, of adults don't buy a book in a year. And then most of the books, of course, are novels. Mm. So uh, uh, there's been a real serious decline. I mean, I often say in lectures, I have had better conversations about economics, culture, business, whatever, with a cop on the side of the road in Slovakia, a random person who sat down next to me on a sofa in Singapore at a hotel, a waiter in rural Ontario, Canada, than with uh, executives in $4,000 suits sitting next to me in the first class section of an airliner. Mm. And it, it is a real serious problem for democracy because democracy depends on the idea that we have reasoned and rational debate. Donald interjects into this, Get, I'll take care of all of it. Mm. And he has declared very openly that if he gets back to the White House, uh, what he's going to do. He was asked by the Fox News host, Sean Hannity, you're not going to be a dictator, right? And he goes, oh, no, I'm going to be a dictator, but only for one day. Mm. If you can show me, Will, as somebody who became a dictator for one day or even 10 years and then voluntarily gave it up, I'd love to see it. <laughs> uh, I don't know one in my studies of, of, of geopolitics and history. Um, he During his administration, he did some of the things he said he would do to, uh, and here's the phrase they use, to deconstruct the administrative state. Mm. The Trump followers, that doesn't mean anything to them. Mm. Uh, deconstruct the administrative state means we're going to 
uh, get rid of the federal regulatory apparatus that saves lives by having clean air and clean water and job safety rules, etc. They set out to do this, and I documented in my book what they did and didn't do. And in my middle book, it's even worse than you think. Mm. In the big sheet, I show how Donald Trump's relationship with the wealthiest man in Japan, Mr. Sun, mm. Sun, Sun, Sun. That's right. Uh, how that began before he took office resulted in Trump supporting his interest, Mr. Sun's interest, in allowing trains filled with Bakken shale oil, a kind of oil that is particularly prone to explosion. Um, he wanted them, um, Mr. Sun wanted to be able to have them move through cities like Philadelphia, where you know, all big cities have train yards, to run through the city at 40 or 50 miles an hour. Uh, the safety experts said, you know, if this train goes off, it is the equivalent of a small nuclear bomb and it'll kill 100,000 people. Right. Donald didn't care. He said, we should stop interfering with business. I mean, the reason we have regulations is to protect people mm. so that when you get on an airplane, you know that the pilot was trained and competent and right. the plane has been properly maintained. And he wants to get rid of all of that because... It, Donald quite literally doesn't know anything. He claims to be the world's greatest expert on 22 subjects. Mm. One of them, taxes, is a subject on which I am a recognized worldwide authority. I've written best-selling books about it. My next book will propose a whole new tax system for the United States. Mm. Simpler, fairer, far less expensive to administer. Donald uh, uh, testified under oath he knows nothing of accounting. No idea whatsoever. Tied mm -hmm. down by lawyers very carefully. You sure you don't know anything? No, I don't know anything about accounting. Why would I know anything about accounting? You cannot understand tax if you don't know accounting. Mm. Well, how can you be the world's greatest expert of all time, all history? Mm. But his followers, they believe this stuff because they're the poorly educated. And what does Donald say? I love the poorly educated. Yeah, because they're too dumb to see that you're a crook who's cleaning your, your pocket. David, two more questions before letting you go. Now, let's talk about Trump and his family. And of course, that I know in your book, you mentioned this complicated relationship between Donald and his children, particularly Eric. Now, here's the question that we're very, very much interested in knowing. How would you describe the relationship between Donald and his children? Because again, the more I read about it from your book, it's more like a business deal partners, or it's more like the business, what we called opportunist, right? So it's not about family. It's not about children. It's not about love. It's everything about making a deal. And even in your book, you documented amazingly, it's he said straight to someone regarding Eric. He said, well, I don't care who that person is. He still needs to pay or that person still uh, needs to get billed. So can you explain that a little bit about the relationship? Yeah. Is, yeah. is it all about business? One of the things I tell in the book is about how Eric and his father arranged to take money from a cancer charity for children mm. to benefit themselves. That's how totally soulless they are. So most of us have a romantic relationship, right? I have eight children. My wife's a CEO, retired now. We've been married 42 years. We have a romantic relationship. Donald's relationships are 100% transactional. Mm. Donald... His, his marriages to Ivanka, Marla, and now Melania, 
Those are business relationships. They are not romantic relationships. And his children would be unable to go out in the world and get jobs that would pay them the way daddy pays his three his three oldest children. Mm. Now, Ivanka has pulled away uh, from her father, but the two sons depend on him. And Donald, uh, like all mob bosses, and that's what Donald is. He's not the head of a crime family that kills people and breaks legs and bombs buildings. He is the head of a white-collar crime family. Hmm. And this is a major problem around the world, the rise of white-collar crime families because the law hasn't caught up with how to deal with these people. That's why he's gotten away with everything he's gotten away with since he uh, went into business in the late 60s. Um, Donald's children do what he tells them to do and they're rewarded for their fealty to their father but not out of out of anything but fear and money mm. he buys them and and i've said many times that donald will throw anyone under the bus including his wife his sons and while it would be very difficult for him to do so ivanka if it became necessary because to donald you and everyone else you're not people you are objects who are either mm. obstacles like me or you are uh, uh, useful to him. And, it, it, I mean, how horrible to be Donald Trump where uh, you, you don't, you've never known joy and contentment. You mm. have no idea what love is. Mm. Uh, and, you know, Donald's uh, uh, treatment of women. Right. He's a judicially found rapist already. In one right. case, there are more than two dozen other women who claim that he raped them, uh, some of whom are trying to get their cases adjudicated. Um, his statements about women. He talks about women like a junior high school boy, 13 or 14 year old boy mm. would. Well, when he was uh, 13, he was sent away by his father to a military academy because he was such a troublemaker at school and such an embarrassment. And. This school was well known for humiliating boys who came in, especially sexually humiliating them. And uh, Donald, in his mind, is still a 13-year-old boy when it comes to women. I mean, sort of like the movie Groundhog Day, mm. only the evil version. I mean, imagine if you never grew beyond whatever your horrible year was of transiting from child to adult, somewhere between 11, 12, 13, 14, somewhere in that zone, and you were trapped in that until you were, as Donald is now, 77 years old. What a horrible thing to have happen to you, and you never grew out of it. And that's Donald. It's always been Donald. And, and all my interviews with him, my observations with him, he's calling me on the phone to yell at me, usually to yell at me. He's going to sue me, which he's never done. <laughs> um, you, 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 This is what you encounter is... He, and all of his executives and everybody I've interviewed around him over the years, everything is transactional. Mm. It's all business. What do I get out of you? And he's very good at reading people. Mm. He surrounds himself with people who are weak and will do his bidding, right up to the point that his chief financial officer, Alan Weiselberg, went to prison for him, lied on the witness stand in the most recent civil trial, and is now, according to the New York Times, negotiating an agreement to perjury, which is a felony, over that testimony. All right, David, I want to wrap up our conversation by going back to your article, which is entitled Trump's Next Legal Move, Personal Bankruptcy. Now, again, we are in the year of 2024, and this person is not going anywhere. And again, he continues to campaign to be the next president. 
But what are the opportunities? And are we going to see a Trump that eventually lose again and start getting on Twitter or True Social and start to vent about this whole uh, uh, election rig or, you know, all this nonsense? Or we're going to see actually Trump will declare bankruptcy and eventually become just an unknown person. Your final thoughts? Well, can Filing for bankruptcy here is not not going to get him out of paying the $83 million he owns to E. Jean Carroll, the woman he raped, and the defamation award she got. It's not going to get him out of the $450 plus million, including interest, that he owes the state of New York. What it will do is buy him time. Mm. When you file bankruptcy, you get an automatic stop, a temporary stop, to every other legal civil legal proceeding against you. And Donald has until March 20th to either put up $83 million or to get some financial institution to give him a bond mm. to guarantee that payment uh, if he loses on appeal, which he certainly will lose on appeal. There's nothing there. He might get, a, you know, the $83 million might be reduced to $60 million, say, but mm. but uh, he's, he's going to have to pay. And the same thing with the state of New York. So... Filing personal bankruptcy might seem like that's crazy. It would destroy his image as the modern Midas who everything he touches turns to gold. <laughs> no, uh, Donald will easily spin that to his followers. The deep state, the Marxist, fascist, liberal, feminist uh, conspiracy, they forced me to do this. Mm -hmm. And they're going to do it to you. And, you know, they're going to come and take your 401k plan and your savings. And they're going to take your house because mm -hmm. they're Marxist, fascist. I mean, it doesn't even make sense when he, he describes But But if he does this, that's what will happen. Now, my track record so far on predictions about Donald, including my 2016 published prediction that if a pernicious virus started hopscotching around the planet on jetliners, uh, killing people, he wouldn't know what to do. Mm. So far, my batting average in baseball terms is a 1,000. Every time I step up to the plate with an article, I get on base. Uh, I could be wrong about this. He might not file bankruptcy. He might find an oligarch, uh, the Saudis, um, some rich American to guarantee the money for him, in which case my batting average will become 0.999. Mm. You know, what does it take to be a star in baseball? Uh, uh, 250 <laughs> to 300, somewhere in that range. Um, but this is a strategic move to get him past November 5th. Donald's entire life right now is avoid criminal trials, avoid having to come up with money he may not have. And I've been very skeptical that he can pay these judgments. I mean, it, it, I have a number of billionaires who talk to me and have for a long time, including a couple in my social circle. Mm. And um, uh, none of them believe he's a billionaire. I was the person who first reported that he, had a, he wasn't a billionaire, and he called me a liar until he had to admit in the public record it was true. And Donald... Uh, just make stuff up. Mm. You know, he told me when it's worth three billion. Two hours later, he told somebody else five billion, mm. and he has testified under oath that his net worth is a function of his mood. I mm. kid you not. Under oath. Well, how do you determine your net worth? Well, it depends on how I'm feeling. Uh, you know, that's 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 absurd. So uh, his 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 effort here is to get past November fifth and mm. a strategic bankruptcy would do that. Hmm. Uh, Rudy Giuliani, his unpaid lawyer, the former New York mayor, he's filed bankruptcy. Um, uh, Alex Jones, the conspiracy theorist, 
filed two years ago, and he's yet to pay a penny. Mm. And Donald only needs to get to November. Mm. So uh, I, I think what you're going to see going forward is uh, support for Donald is going to soften. You know, there's some signs of that already. Um, if he is convicted of a felony, he will lose a great deal of support, and he is. there's no question he can't win. Mm. His strategy in America is this. Some states he will win for sure, especially in the South. Mm. There are 13 states, mostly in the Midwest, that can go either way. They can go for Biden or they can go for Trump. Mm. And both parties uh, should be focusing on those 13 states. And uh, uh, Donald will lose the popular vote. He lost by 3 million votes in 16, by 7 million votes in 2020. He'll lose this time by at least 10 million, but he can still get back to the White House if he wins the Electoral College, and that's what those 13 states are about. Mm. And we'll have to see what happens. But if he does get back into the White House, I won't be surprised if you're unable to uh, ever interview me again, because uh, having said that he hates me more than any other journalist in the world, um, and saying he intends to arrest his enemies. Mm. I'm sure I'm on that list. Well, David, I'm going to keep that to it because mainly, again, at this moment, we don't really know what's going to happen to Donald Trump and what is going to happen to the country. But again, through this conversation, at least we understand so much more about his, again, as a con artist and also how he's actually taking advantage of the American people's trust and use it will turn it to his own personal benefits. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's such an honor to speak to David K. Johnson. Again, David is the co-founder for DC Report, and he's the best-selling author and also investigative journalist for 13 years. And I strongly encourage everyone to go online and check out his amazing book, The Big Cheat. How Donald Trump fleeced America and enriched himself and his family. Well, David, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. We'd love to have you back on the show. And maybe, hey, sooner or later, we're going to find out whether he's going to have more tricks or not.